Listener Production. This episode is brought to you by Bendix Brakes, Denso and Exidy. The Grill, a collaboration with VACC, the Victorian Automotive Chamber of Commerce and powered by Listener. It's beginning to look a lot like... Christmas in July. Well, it's Christmas in July. (laughs) You got nervous then, didn't you? Hi, everybody. Greg Rust, Shane Jacobson and Jeff Gwillem. They've just had a heart attack in here because they thought, what the hell, what month is it? Where's the second half of the year gone? Welcome to the grill. Do you do Christmas in July? What do you do? No, I don't really do the Christmas in July. I did it once. We we lived in uh, near a place that had a restaurant that used to do it. It was a great night out, but no, I I, I think Christmas is enough once a year, isn't it? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well... (laughs) I mean, yeah. I'd love a little present. You know, didn't give me anything last year. So, uh, oh. anyway, lots coming up in the show today. <laughs> the facts figures, of course. We want to get into the month of June. Uh, that's what happens in the July episode. We reflect on uh, the outcome, the results. Jeff's going to take a deep dive into that. Look at how things are going, given that we are at the halfway mark of the sales or delivery year. A little snapshot of a couple of auction things that have um, grabbed our attention too. Steve McQueen is selling this beautiful... Well. He's not selling it. It was Steve McQueen's Ferrari, yes. I should say. It's his, uh, his old 275 GTB4. So we'll talk about that mm-hmm. because in the course of its extraordinary life, this car, it was restored by Vern Schupen, the Australian who won Le Mans in the early 80s. He had that car. It had gone through a heck of a life in between, and Vern got it back to as McQueen had it. So more on that story uh, a little bit later on. How has your month of June been? What have you been up to? You're working on another production. You do not stop, do you? Another musical, yes. Midnight the musical. I'm playing the king. It's good <laughs> to be a king. Is <laughs> yes. that Mel Brooks, wasn't it? Yes, it's good to be the king. Yes, it's a new Australian musical. Our friends of mine uh, have written it, and I actually use motoring as an analogy that, you know, with Ford and Holden gone now, you know, no longer is a car being made by Australians for Australian conditions, all that stuff we've heard many times. Well, this is a musical written by Australians for Australians. It's brand new, never been done anywhere in the awesome. world. So um, so John Foreman, who's written all the music for it, it's a big, it's a, it's a big undertaking to write a musical from scratch because you've got it's a, it's a retelling of the story of Cinderella, but um, the most exciting thing is my daughter is in it with me. She's got her How first, cool. nice. yeah, she got her first uh, role in a professional yeah. musical. So I'm I'm, I'm performing oh, with my daughter, tremendous. which is which is you know as we all know, um, you know, kind of you're more excited for their victories yeah. than you are your own. Yeah. You know, totally. It's like yeah. the opposite end of you're only as happy as your saddest child, yeah. but their happiness is greater than your own. Oh, so, yeah, wonderful. I'll be honest, it's it's pretty exciting, uh, you know, kind of treading the boards with my daughter. Yeah, I like That's it. Enough. So at some point you'll just be her dad. She'll be the star. And yes. <laughs> yeah, well, yes. I think I've said it before. When she said I want to be an actor, you know, we were going, no, you're saying it wrong, darling. It's doctor. Yeah. <laughs> doctor. Yeah. All, the, all, all the drivers, in, you, know, you know, I spend a lot of time in motor racing. It is uncanny how many of them go, Gee, I wish they'd pick up a tennis racket or, I know, or, or golf clubs. Or <laughs> but, but, but the pursuit of wanting to do well in entertainment or wanting to do well in motorsport, it's a tough hill to climb and yeah. does, many people want to do it and, and there's only a bit of room at the top know, of the hill so for them. And, so, yeah. Speaking of tough hill to climb, um, you well, talked in, in last month's episode about uh, a very important paper 
that is in play with government. You're liaising with uh, them yeah. quite closely, and it has kind of it's kind of our roadmap of the future. It in is, some ways, isn't it? So it's, it's a called the fuel efficiency standard, the Fez. If you ever hear it's called the Fez. The Fez. You know? Fez. Doug Mulray wore one of those. in the Fez. Yeah, <laughs> and Tommy Cooper. Yeah. Yes. Uh, anyway, who died on stage? He did. performing. Oh, I and people that. thought it was a joke. I watched that and I thought it was a joke, but he oh. died on stage heart attack. Yep. Yeah. Anyway, we're digressing. Fez. Keep going. Yes. Uh, and um, it is the roadmap, if you like, for the car fleet that will be here for the future. Even though it's called a fuel efficiency standard, it's actually about emissions. It's about what emissions come out, the CO2 emissions of vehicles. There's a whole lot of industry roundtables we've been involved in over the last few weeks. There will be a, a, a draft piece of legislation that comes out later this year or first quarter next year. Mm-hmm. But that will tell us what the car fleet's going to look like in the future. It'll, it's designed to move manufacturers over to bring in more low and zero emission vehicles into Australia. It's part of the big, you know, the net zero emissions by 2050. It's where we need to get to. But I'm focused on the socioeconomic uh, context here about can people afford to move over? What about a single parent with two kids? How are they going to move over? Because you're still going to go and buy another car at some point. So, yeah. you know, it's not just about having a, a nice shiny car fleet. There's a lot of people in here that have got to move from A to B. Yeah. And my advice to government is incentivize people to go over. Don't penalise them. Mm. Are you on direct dial to Albo? Don't leave your phone lying around. Shane and I like to prank call. That'd be quite funny to prank call the Prime Minister one day. And when Rusty said you had a bit of paper going into the government, um, I was hoping it was another matter. Did you get me out of that parking lot? <laughs> <laughs> you said you had contact. We're going to have blow it out your tailpipe because it's by popular request. Have you done any homework for that or are you just going to run? Of course I have. Course I've done homework. Have. Of course you have. Blow it out your tailpipe. <laughs> So here's, the, here's my blow it out your tailpipe. A guy, just a, a gentleman, uh, an associate uh, that I was with at a gig at the Gold Coast the other week, he, he's going well. He's got a big business. He's going well. And I'm not going to have a go at the manufacturer, but he went into a showroom, a car showroom, right, mm-hmm. with cars worth a lot of money, and he has the money to buy them. He could buy several. And he walked in and not one sales rep got up to go and talk no to him. No way. Not so good. he's walking around a showroom of expensive cars. Yeah. And in the end, he was left to his own devices to walk around so much so that he put his head inside a car and one of the alarms went off. Still, no sales rep came over to talk to him until a girl in the office got so annoyed at the sound of the alarm, she came and turned the alarm off and then said, is anyone helping you? And he said, no, they're not. So she got a sales rep to come over. This person, I gather, is not a tyre kicker. He's a proper 100% was there to buy a car. Pointed at this very expensive sports car, supercar, and almost supercar status, but sports car, and said, interested in one of these? And the guy said, mate, uh, you know, can't have that one. It's already ordered. And to be honest, he said, uh, by the time we give you one of those, it'll be about three years. It probably could be another model out or two by then. And he said, you ready? It's not even worth me writing your details down on a bit of paper, mate. Unbelievable. So he basically told him to blow it out his tailpipe. Yeah. So he left a dealership without leaving any detail. He went in there to spend money on buying a car and was sent out. Well, he walked out and said, oh, you know, I might be back here. Even if that's the reality of the circumstance, you would never say that or articulate. You would go, look, I'm sorry, really so sorry. sorry. Maybe they've got other vehicles in their take range. Take Yeah, take your details, mate. Make yeah. them feel good. I reckon the three of us could come yeah. up with 12 other things to say, yeah. of the 50 other things, yeah. before you'd ever get to, mate, not even worth writing your details because down. Because the other is, thing is, Shane, people's economic conditions change and sometimes people have to back out of a, a deal that exactly. they've ordered a vehicle. So if there's a vehicle, a if there's an order drop, 
or patch him in. Why would you do that? You would but do it. We've, we've had little whinges before and not just on the show. I have, I have my mates all the time that the world is changing and the way people mm. give or don't give you service now is not as good as it used to feel a long time ago. But at the point that a sales rep, like a sales rep is not even taking a lead down. Yeah. Uh, is a problem. What, what's the new term? Are they a chair mm. occupier? Because they're well, not selling anything. Well, if they don't need to sell cars, they're in trouble because well, that's their job. Well, and I know there's the waiting list. I had another mate who wanted to get a Corvette. I don't know whether this is true. Feel free to email us if I'm getting it wrong. The one that he wanted, eight-year wait. Whoa, wow. Eight-year wait. And so he, he knew a guy that got one and he just said, like, they're doing deals amongst mates, mate. If you ever want to sell that car. Yeah. Like, if I had to wait eight years for a car, I need to put it in my will because I might not be here when it arrives. I probably do. Well, we've had this chat. I know a friend who has a friend mm. who buys two cars at a time, like with oh, Land Cruisers, yeah, buys yeah. two. He's got a bit of money to do it. Mm. He buys two. Yeah. He picks a car that he likes. Yeah, yeah. He'll have one. And when then that one comes in, he sells it at a profit. Uh, I mean, that is, of all you've done over the nearly two years now, that's a heck of a blowout out your tailpipe, mate. Isn't it? What a statement. Yeah, I know. Right? So, um, yeah. oh, and can I just insert something here that is <laughs> apropos of absolutely nothing? Mm-hmm. Just a little tidbit. Our mate Steve Pizzardi. Sometimes he gets a bit bored and he decides to come up with something. Uh, do you know what it costs to keep a Formula One car? He decided to get the average budget of a Formula One team. This is just so nothing out of nowhere. But, hey, this is called entertainment. Uh, a <laughs> Formula One car to stay on a track costs $2 million an hour wow. to have that thing on a track. He's worked out the average budget incredible. of a middle-tier team. Well, he I is an anorak, mate, isn't he? He's I, a no, proper I mean, nerd. I love mate, him. I love him. Incredible. Yeah. Get yeah. a pool. Get a bike. <laughs> like, do something. Talk to your wife. Talk to your beautiful yeah, wife. Yeah. Susie's amazing. Talk to her. But no, he sat down with the calculator. So, that, you know, an, an average Formula One Suze, team. Suze, it costs $2 million an hour. <laughs> an hour. For the time it spends on the road, he's yeah. calculated, I think, a bit of testing. Yeah. It's $2 million an hour to have that thing on the road. So... When a Juno gets to go for a run in a Formula yeah, One car, that's an expensive outing. It's an expensive ride, yeah. Very expensive ride. Or you know, if you're Tom Cruise and you send the Red Bull car off into the dirt, <laughs> you've seen that footage. Yeah, yeah, but he yeah. went well. Have yeah. you seen the footage of Tom yeah. Cruise had to go up driving a Formula One yeah. car and did really well? And, and Brad Pitt is about to do that at the moment for, uh, I think it's in the run-up to the British Grand Prix for that new movie that they are making with Kaczynski, who did Top Gun Maverick. Yes. So there's a whole group of them that are behind this. And they want the Formula One drivers are big on, we want authenticity here. We we want this to be as realistic as possible. Like Tom Cruise like, in Maverick with flu the, got the planes. So, so Brad, I think, is going to do, I don't know what they'll do to the car because they're they're not an easy thing to drive, but they're going to let him drive a Formula One car at some point. i got to admit the name's a bit ironic, Pitt. Uh, <laughs> a quick break to talk about Bendix brakes, specifically their general CT brake pads, the perfect braking solution for everyday driving. Bendix general CT brakes utilise stealth advanced technology offering smoother and quieter braking for more comfortable day-to-day driving. Ceramic technology means that they also deliver improved stopping stopping performance. That's when you bring the car to a stop. You understand what I'm saying. Low dust, low road aware and enhanced durability. Bendix's blue titanium stripe technology removes the need for bedding in and noise-absorbing shims reduce vibration and noise during extreme braking. For the perfect everyday braking solution, ask your mechanic to fit Bendix General CT brake pads. Available from all good Bendix stockers. Bendix, put your foot down with confidence. We'll launch into the VFAX figures very, very shortly, but how about this for a news item that I, I spotted? Weird forgotten 
car accessories. Oh, go on. How about the safety felt cap complete with anti-shock felt? <laughs> what is that? It was a black and white ad for it. The Brexton mini table that sits on the dash, perfect oh, for a yeah, cuppa. They, they looked terrible. They'd always had them in the ad, but you'd throw them the second you bought the, the car. The Oster sun visor extends forward from the windshield. The ad cell line was complete protection from the dazzle. And from, daz- <laughs> from the dazzle. <laughs> and the Nanette duster. As advertised by the legendary racer, Sir Sterling Moss. Could you imagine a Max Verstappen or someone like that? Hi, I'm Max Verstappen. I use the Nanette Duster to clean my set of wheels. Sounds like the name of a lead singer from a 70s pop band. Doesn't it? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Nanette Duster. Yeah. Steve McQueen's Ferrari is for sale. He only owned it for a a relatively short period of time. This thing, as I said at the top of the show today, 275 GTB4, beautiful beautiful thing. V12 engine? V12 engine, 3.3 litre, so 300 horsepower, six Weber carbs, top speed 163 k's an hour. Here's a little detail that you'll you'll love here, and I think I alluded to this before. The car went through several owners, right? It was, it was damaged. Someone decided then they were going to modify it to a spider. Someone repainted it. Then, God love him, the Aussie, Vern Schupen, who won Le Mans in 1983 at the wheel of a Porsche, I think for memory, bought it and set about restoring it to its original spec. And I think about halfway through the last decade, he he sold it, but that thing's in mint condition by the looks of it. What would someone pay for that? What would you pay for that? Steve McQueen, that name. I'd pay $100,000 for a toothbrush he'd held, let alone a car he'd driven. Mm. <laughs> I mean, one, and Steve McQueen, if, if you've watched people that haven't, they know him obviously as the incredible star that he was but he's 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 racing world. He took more serious as serious as he did his acting and could drive, couldn't he? I mean, properly could drive. The Ferrari he would drive to set. So you know, oh, with the yeah. famous Mustang, right? So he yeah. would drive drive that to set at the time when they were filming it. But to your discussion point here, the movie that he made, I mean, had very little dialogue in it. I think it burned a massive hole in his back pocket. But it had those legendary nine seventeen Porsches yep. in it, and and. I still look back on that movie now as a cult kind of movie because of some of the stuff they did around onboard cameras and things like that. It was super cool. Yeah, and 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 but he could pedal, couldn't he? I he, mean, could he, pedal. he could pedal. He did a lot of the scenes in it. Exactly right. Yeah. He used to turn up at motorbike races. He used to turn up with a helmet on and just get in the pack and race and they wouldn't know it was Steve McQueen. Mm. And he'd be up the front, well and truly up the front, sometimes winning. But he would just turn up at races kind of unannounced and enter himself and just, yeah, get in the race and get amongst it. I love it. I wonder if he wonder if he ran an alias. What would Steve McQueen's alias have been? Mean Mustine. <laughs> mean Mustine. I don't know. Like. <laughs> a fortnight ago, there was some really positive stuff starting to uh, filter through. Certainly for the VFAX figures in the month of May 2023. Let's delve into things a little deeper and get into some of the sectors. So Bev is on the line. I'm kidding. Battery electric vehicles. <laughs> uh, now, just before you start here, Jeff, um, true to say that the, the the kind of EV and hybrid sector um, is where all eyes are really looking at the moment, isn't it? It is. When you you know in the old days, you look at the VFAX figures, and you'd obviously be looking where the the petrol vehicles were going. Nowadays, uh, people are looking at VFAX and actually the first thing that a lot of people go to is, uh, you know, conventional hybrid 
plug-in hybrid, electric vehicles, where's that whole market going? Because that tells you a lot about what's happening in the industry. Mm. We know, and we're involved in a whole lot of discussions with government at the moment around a thing called the fuel efficiency standard, which really is about emissions of tailpipes of vehicles. And uh, by the end of this year, or at latest, the first uh, quarter next year, there'll be a thing called an exposure draft of legislation that comes through for commentary. And that will start to actually tell manufacturers what you'll be able to bring into Australia based on the emissions of either individual vehicles or group of vehicles. And that will be the beginning of the next three decades in Australia in terms of what comes here. It's very important. It's a really important uh, thing to watch. And and that's why battery electric and hybrid sales and plug-in hybrids, at the moment, they're running organically. There's a little bit of uh, incentive around in some areas, but it's a fairly organic movement. Once you bring in legislation that determines what vehicles are coming to this country, a whole new game starts around where people start to move or where they start to resist that move. And we end up with an older vehicle fleet because people don't want to transition across to an electric vehicle. But really, you know, people will need to keep an eye on that, where that's going to go. You'll hear lots about it certainly towards the end of this year and where the government are going to put a stake in the ground around that. So 8,124 battery electric vehicles were sold in May this year. Year to date, more than 32,000 have been sold. Now, that doesn't sound like a great number relative to the million that you're expecting for yeah. the for the yeah. year, right? Yeah. But I mean, that's 7% of the new vehicle market. Well, three it? years ago, we were selling 5,000 a year. Mm. You're halfway through 2023 and you've already sold 32,000 of them. Yeah. This is pure, pure electric, yes. which is a big number. Tesla, of course, are big in there. Uh, they sold 4,476 uh, cars in May. That accounts for 55.1% of the market. The highest selling battery electric vehicle was the Tesla Model 3, 3,178 units. The BYD Atto, that's uh, Build Your Dreams, uh, Atto 3, edged out the Tesla Model 3 for second place with 1,448 units. And the Tesla Model 3 came third, 1,298 units. So, you know, obviously just a couple of brands dominating that. That will change when legislation changes the conditions in Australia. You'll see a lot more pure electric brands coming into this market. Sales of battery and electric vehicles in May represented 7.7% of the market, the sales market, and running at 7% through all new cars delivered. If we add in fully electric, plug-in, and conventional hybrid, they make up 15.6% of the sales market in May. That's a big chunk of the market. Four, five years ago, this mm. didn't exist. This mm. wasn't even here. Yeah. And if you assume that we're selling about the same amount of cars every year, which is just over a million, mm. that 15.6% are cars that didn't exist then. Mm. So that's people that haven't bought a conventional mm. car, a Ford or a Mercedes-Benz or a Volvo. Well, actually, Volvo are nearly fully electric now anyway. But they've moved over to bought a brand that wasn't in the market. That's a You know, people have got to get their heads around that, that yeah. a lot of this is new brand and new stuff mm. that's actually taking away some of that pie from the existing industry. Well, what's your prediction for end-of-year EV sales based on what we've seen so far? I'm going to give myself a big tick here because I said at the beginning of this year that it would be around 80,000, and I think it will be 80,000. At the moment, we're running at 275% growth on last year on on pure electric vehicle sales. Yeah. There's no re- reason why you're not going to get to 80,000. And if mm. it'll be interesting where people start to hear a bit more about changes to legislation coming probably next year, mm-hmm. whether they move early or whether they hang back and say, well, I'll see what incentives come with that. Mm. But, uh, you know, 
80,000 this year, I don't think there'll be any problems getting there. Probably worth noting too, just in relation to incentives, do your homework because I think the plugins come out of that incentive scheme 2025. Is that right? Probably yeah. best to go to the, I don't know, maybe ATO website Absolutely. or something. Do, do your homework. Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah. this is the fringe benefit tax offset for company cars, electric and plug-in hybrids. And you're right there, Greg, the plugins come out in 25. By the way, we're talking to government. We want incentives to stay for plug-in hybrids. We reckon mm-hmm. they're the big crossover vehicle for Australia. But at the moment, they will come out unless things change. Go to the tax office website. Make sure you get the, the data from there. Just quickly, my father is Jeffrey too. Yeah. And he says to me the other day, he goes, he goes, I reckon we're moving to EVs way too fast. Uh, he was re- recounting yeah. what our Jeffrey on the show was basically <laughs> saying. <laughs> so, so you're working. It's working. There you go. Well, there you go. He's, he's ahead of the team on that <laughs> yeah. one. But let's have a look at plug-in hybrids because even though I bang on about them a lot, the sales figures aren't as stunning as they should be. Mm. 791 plug-in hybrids were sold in May this year. That's only an increase of 96 vehicles over May last year. Year-to-day sales are up 18% over last year, but the numbers are still incredibly low. 2,797 plug-in hybrids this year so far. I still think that's low. I mean, it sounds like an incredibly... Uh, kind of small number, given the, the range and economies that these vehicles can offer. What, what's holding consumers back on this? Why? I, I, there are two things here. Either people are making a decision, I'm going to go straight out of an internal combustion straight engine to EV. into EV, yep. uh, or there's not enough range in plug-ins. And we don't have a big range in plug-in hybrids, and I think that that's holding people back a bit. We've got to remember, a lot of the early adopters buying electric vehicles are buying them because they can afford to. Mm-hmm. These aren't people that are going, oh, look, budget's a bit tight, let's buy an electric vehicle. It doesn't work like that. Mm. So I think as people get moved over through legislation and, and incentive or disincentive, I think that's where plug-ins will pick up their ground. And let's bounce through them. You brought up hybrids. Let's go hybrids, petrol, diesel. Let's have a look at the month of May. So the month of May, 7,600 conventional hybrids were sold in May. That is a decline of 3.7% on last year. 52,327 petrol vehicles were sold, representing an increase of 5,028. That's 10.6% up over May last year. So petrol's hanging in there, still doing very well. Diesel, interestingly, 32,013 vehicles sold in May. That's a decrease of 1,317 on last year or 3.9% on May last year. That's not a big gap. There's 7.9% for the year, year uh, year to date sales. That could be about shipping. This isn't Mm. always necessarily about people saying, oh, diesel's yuck, we won't buy that. And as a matter of fact, in the conversations with the government about the fuel efficiency standard, they're not discriminating against petrol and diesel at the moment. They're just fuel. It's not as if there's a whole lot of scare tactics going on about get out of diesel, diesel's terminal. It's not. I'm putting that down to shipping and cars coming in because it's not a big number. But again, well, let's just keep an eye on that. To finish, um, sales results by kind of segment uh, or vehicle brand. And there were some interesting performing uh, vehicle models um, for the month as well. Yeah, so let's have a look. So sports vehicles less than 80,000 were the best performing market segment for the month, followed by micro vehicles. They were up 121.7% and medium-sized vehicles uh, over 60,000 uh, were up uh, 120.3%. Some of the best models, so the Audi, the Q3, there are 450 sales up 65.4% on last year. Uh, BMW 2 Series, uh, 171 sales up 755 uh, up on last year. This is for the month. 
Ford Mustangs, 309, up 494%. I think there's a whole people buying Mustangs because they're afraid. They're afraid of change and they're saying, this is my, I need to get a Mustang now. now. Where that buyer sits in the market, I think they're just saying, look, we're not going to go on holiday this year, kids, and we're going to keep mum's old car, but I'm buying a Mustang. Mm. I think that's where that's sitting. The Mazda CX-3, uh, up 143% with 1,203 sales. Land Rover Defender, uh, 471 sales, up 447%. Again, um, might be my last Landy, so I'm buying one now. I just think this, this, is, this is what's happening in the market. And the Nexus NX, uh, up 137% with 549 sales. And just looking very quickly at, at luxury, what can you say? Bentley, 38 sales, up 21 sales on May last year. So that's a big leap in yeah, sales same of Same for Ferrari Bentleys. too, wasn't it? Same Ferraris, 25 sales, up 14 sales on last May. Lamborghini, 20 Lamborghinis. I mean, that's a big number. For Lamborghini Lambo, to yeah, sell. From zero in May last year. Absolutely. Mm. From May last year, so they sold 20 this year. Lotus, 10 sales, up from two sales last May. Maserati, 83 sales, up from 46 last May. Rolls-Royce, six sales, up from four last May. McLaren, 16, up from eight last May. And Porsche, 685. That's why some people are waiting a while to get a Porsche, because they're very popular. Uh, that's up from 476 uh, last May. Mm. So that's a, that's a fairly big leap. A couple of luxury brands, we've got a bit of a decrease in some of them. We've got an Aston Martin, nine sales down from 11 la- from May last year. That's not a catastrophe. Jag, 46 sales uh, down from 71 last May. That's a bit of a gap there. Um, but, you know, overall, when we look at the market, Toyota still lead the market uh, with 71,000 uh, sales followed by Mazda at 40,000, Kia at 31,000, Ford, I'm rounding here, by the way, mm-hmm. at 30,000, yeah. and a Hyundai at 29,000. So, you know, you've still got to chase Toyota. It's always going to occupy 18% of the market or thereabouts. But when it comes to vehicle models in May, the Toyota Hilux was the highest selling model with 5,772 sales, followed by the Ford Ranger, 4,110 the Tesla, Tesla Model Tesla Y, Model oh. y. Wow. coming mm. in third, 3,178. The Toyota RAV4, 2,616. And the MG ZS, 2,502. But let, let's step back. Who would have predicted 18 months ago mm. that an EV manufacturer, Tesla in this case, would be sitting as the eighth, Amazing. eighth largest vehicle brand sold in Australia? Mm. We would have guessed that. Never. You wouldn't, nobody would have picked that. So, and third on the individual model list for May model y. is the Tesla Model Y. Mm. So, you know, they say the days go slow, but the years go quick. This stuff is moving at a fairly rapid pace. And, we're, you know, it's, uh, that's why, as I said at the beginning of this segment around people looking at where the electric car sales and plug-in hybrids and conventional hybrids were going, because it tells you more mm. than just what's happening in auto. It tells you what's happening around the economy. Well done, Jeff. Um, our thanks to the Federal Chamber of Automotive Industries too, FCAI, who help us with the figures, and to our buddy Steve Bletsos from the VACC, who extrapolates the numbers. Yes. Shane and I would be terrible at that. But we we can't even say you. the word extrapolate. <laughs> extrapolate. <laughs> <laughs> and next month, we will tell you how things look at the halfway mark of the Looking for reliability? Switch to Denso, and then you'll understand why their products outperform anything else in the industry, from ignition coils to engine management sensors. There's 
AC components and alternators, filters to fuel pumps, and a whole lot more. Plus, cutting-edge spark plug technology that makes Denso plugs sought after worldwide. Built to last the distance and keep you on our roads longer. Thanks to the industry-leading test facilities, which we've been to here on the podcast, they're amazing, that they have right here in Australia. So at your next service, be sure to ask for Denso, or you can find your part at denso.com.au. Now, we had Simon Evans join us on the pod for the last episode, just as he was preparing to take on the enormous Fink Desert Race. If you are not familiar with this event, it is legendary, right? Where drivers in buggies, in trophy trucks, on motorcycles and in side-by-sides take on some of the craziest terrain you will see in the Australian Outback. Now, Simon's been kind enough to join us again today. Simon, a few years ago, I had the pleasure, I wasn't great at it, of reading some pace notes for you at Target Tasmania. (laughs) You actually do have someone riding with you at Fink. How valuable is the co-driver in a race like that? It's actually vital. Um, so, yeah, we, I've got young Maxie, so he's my best mate's son. He's been with me for a few years now, and I've actually trained him up to be a pretty pretty reasonable co-driver. So um, for, for us with Fink, it's more about – because the car, the little Polaris, is pretty pretty awesome. Like, it'll go over most stuff flat out. So it's finding, finding the, those rough areas where we know that the car's not just going to float across and slowing down – enough to get through it not too much but just enough to get through it and um you know respect the track basically so it's pretty vital and we, we run a, a gps system on the ipad and yeah maxi calls it all down for me and does a fantastic job so it keeps us safe hey Simon, a lot of people when they see people like yourself in these events they they you know they wonder how do people afford to do this how do they fund it um you know you, you had a, a concreting business i mean is that still running is that still you know, offsetting some of the costs to get into this stuff? I've got some fantastic sponsorships here with, uh, you know, King Chrome and Polaris and BF Goodrich and Method Race Wheels and stuff. But at the end of the day, I'm still my biggest sponsor. Yeah, okay. <laughs> there, there it is, um, yeah. Yeah, my concreting business is still running. I, I run concrete pumps now because oh, my back's yeah. a bit stuffed. So yeah. um, we've got a big boom pump and that we um, pump house slabs and stuff with and that, that really props up the race team. But having all those sponsorships and uh, relationships with all those companies is brilliant. And, uh, yeah, we couldn't do what we do without those without those companies. And, yeah, look, we, we have a ball. And they're all passionate. You know, everybody, each company, especially King Chrome and, you know, BFG and Method Race was a very passionate company. And Polaris, you know, um, extremely passionate about their product and uh, and what we can do with their product. You're a great ambassador, mate, because the enthusiasm you're talking about, you've always kind of oozed that. And where I'm leading to here is it is literally in the bloodlines, mate, because your brother Eli's been an ARC champion too. And I reckon I came to your house um, years ago. Was it your son Jackson? He, he, yeah. he could barely even see over the pedals, mate, and he was having a roar around the paddock in a Celica back then, and he's into it too, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, mate, he's quicker than me now, so... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he, he's, he's, not, he's coming here and he's not racing this time because we only got his... He got his new car two weeks ago, so we didn't have enough time okay. to get it ready. He was entered, um, but uh, with, you know, next round's love day, so he'll be there ready and ready to go. With the new car, the new Polaris Pro R, the four-cylinder awesome. engine, two-litre. Awesome. Like yeah. Absolutely awesome what are, vehicle. What are they like? They are fantastic. Yeah, absolutely fantastic. Like, they're just 
It's, it's what you would imagine. Like you're getting a 225 horsepower engine that revs to 9,000 RPM, and you're putting it in an 800 kilo yeah, it buggy. Get any better. This yeah, thing's okay. gonna be fun. Yeah. And then you've got like 25 inches of suspension travel, which is huge. So, um, no, looking forward to to getting the, our hands on those things and um, and seeing what we can do with them in the championship. But, mate, at the moment we're just focused on Fink um, and. Yeah, looking forward to having a good run and just um, absorbing the atmosphere and, and taking and taking it exactly for what it is, um, the best event in the country. Rusty touched on it there, the, the Evans name in, in rally, it's it's in your blood. You guys can't shake it out of your family name. Your, your brother Eli, I was I was in Perth uh, at an ARC round competing there and we were doing um, we were doing rides just for people, you know, different sponsors and there was about five of us giving people rides. And I was in uh, Evo 6, so, you know, all four wheels are, are doing stuff on the dirt and he was in the uh, Honda Jazz back then. And he said, oh, while we're doing this, do you want to jump in with me? So <laughs> can't tell you how annoying it was to have a guy in a front wheel drive <laughs> two-wheel drive car that just smashed me around this track. And, like, he was, like, 80 times quicker than me. And I'm in this I'm in this Evo thing that has all four wheels turning. And I get in with him. And, you know, for the, the jazz. I, you know, I would have beat him off the line for about the first, you know, 30 metres while his wheels are trying to get grip. Yeah, and then yeah, after yeah. that, he just didn't come off the throttle. So um, as yeah. much as I've been impressed by you guys, God, you shit me a bit. You beat me everywhere, you <laughs> bastards. <laughs> It's not like an Evans to want to show off. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, put us in front of a crowd, we're going to be really tame. I don't think so. Well, mate, you make it a pleasure to watch. So uh, thanks for what you do. Before we wrap this up, you said earlier in the interview you are the big 5-0, which staggers me. You still come across to me like you're 24 or 21 or something or other in the way that you go about <laughs> this. Are you still loving it as much as normal? Is there any thought at all given to maybe one day kind of slowing down or not really? Oh, mate, you know me too well. Um, there's not a chance in hell that I'm ever going to slow down. Um, look, I think I think the, the racing and everything and obviously my passion for the racing keeps me young. A lot of my daughter said to me the other day, she goes, Dad, she goes, you're like an 18-year-old. Yeah, totally, totally. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, look, we have a ball. It's good fun. And I'm always encouraging the kids to, you know, to do the best they can and mm. just have fun in life. So, and I just, I don't know, lead by example, I think, and... Um, enjoy myself. I've got no intentions of retiring. Um, I'm going to be that guy at 75 years old, still punting my Polaris in the Fink Desert race. Love it. Love it. And the the, the passion, to use your words, is infectious, mate. Um, be safe up there. Get it to the finish. Uh, have a great run at, uh, at Fink, and we look forward to catching up with you um, a little later in the year to tell some tall stories over a lemonade. Mate, it's always uh, always a pleasure, and thanks for the chat, and uh, have a good good time. And yeah, we're looking forward to the race. Thanks, guys. Having supplied more than three hundred million clutch kits to OE clients, Exidy has earned a reputation for trust, respect, and quality. All Exidy OEM replacement kits include high quality cover assemblies, clutch disc and release bearings, and are manufactured to strict specifications for fitment, longevity, and noise suppression. When you choose to fit an OEM replacement kit from Exidy's extensive range, you'll enjoy the same loyalty that they demonstrate to OE clients. Clients around the globe. Find out more at exidy.com.au. In our last episode, we profiled a few stars, if you like, proper stars, I think anyway, of our Australian motoring industry who had won big at the Automotive Industry Awards. It is a fantastic night to recognise some of the best and brightest in our game. This week, 
We're joined by Joe Brogno from BM Tech, who won Best Large Business in the Metropolitan category. Joe, thanks so much for joining us today. Oh, thanks very much. That's a very cool gong to win in a, in a room of, what was it, guys, 700 odd people? 750 people amazing, in the room. Amazing. Uh, over 100 uh, applicants came through, which is a great number, and uh, you've got to be good to win it. Cool. How did you feel when your name was announced and, and BM Tech was announced as the winner? <laughs> oh, look, really thrilled, actually. It was a, it was a great uh, event, and uh, to be there or part of it was fantastic. But, yeah, the acknowledgement was so good. Uh, I'm very pleased. And having that award up on your bench at work, I mean, it makes a big difference when people – well, for me it does. When I walk through um, the front door of a workshop or whatever it may be – I always notice that stuff. And you see those mm. awards, you immediately go, well, obviously they mu- if they're being recognised by people in their own field – They're going by their more pe- than the extra mile, yeah, aren't they? Yeah. It makes a huge difference. Is, is that how you feel about the award? Look, it, it does actually and it's uh, we've got a, you know, right in the centre as people walk in and uh, we're very proud of it and, and people do talk and remark about it, you know, and um, so – and when they find out, you know, the gravity of it all and our best automotive business full stop, you know, they, they sort of – their eyes sort of, uh, you know, open up and say, wow, that's – Awesome, and yeah, you you can't help but feel really proud, actually. Hey, Joe, it's Jeff here, and uh, congratulations again, my old mate. Hey, but you're not. This isn't your first award. I mean, you've got a track record of yeah. doing really well and running a really good business, and you know you've been a member of the VACC for a long time. And when I sit into some of those committee meetings, Joe, you're always talking about business excellence what you're doing that somebody else isn't doing and the technology you're using. So for me, it's no secret that you're a winner because your business is geared like that. Yeah, thanks, Jeff. Yeah, look, yeah, we have won a couple of uh, other awards in the past, you know, 2017 and 2019. And uh, look, I, I like to think that we are very innovative and we like to, you know, really improve. We're always looking at improving the business and I think it does show. Joe, it's probably worth. I mean, it sounds like an obvious thing as we've had this this conversation. You know, you know Jeff and VACC so well. But for people that are listening that don't, just tell us about BM Tech and, and what you do. Oh, look, we're, we're an independent service centre, motor mechanics. You know, specialising in German cars, primarily BMW, uh, and we have for the last thirty five years. Um, I began the business in nineteen eighty eight. Uh, we now have about twenty three staff. And I opened up uh, a continental tie shop right next door about four years ago. So that's what we do. Massive. Congratulations from all of us. That's a uh, that's quite a gong. And by the sounds of what Jeff's been saying here, exceptionally well deserved. Thank you. Well done, mate. Good on you, Joe. Well done, mate. We're out of time, bit jammed into this episode, and we're going to go from one ARC hero in Simon Evans this month. Mm. To, you, you, you pulled some big strings here. You said uh, you thumped the damn desk and you said, I demand Coral Taylor. Well, she's coming on next month. You because- were thumping the desk with me saying, <laughs> like, well, let's get her on. We all agree we want to get her on. She's a legend. Who could not want to uh, to get her on? All right, we'd love you to be a part of the show too. Uh, info at thegrillpodcast.com.au. You can send us a little email. You can drop us a voice memo, maybe 20, 30 seconds with a question of some sort. We will tackle it in a coming ep of the show. For Shane, Jeff and all the team, it is bye for now. Goodbye. See you on the road, folks. This episode was brought to you by Bendix Brakes, Denso and Exidy. The Grill, a collaboration with VACC, the Victorian Automotive Chamber of Commerce and powered by Listener. Listener.